0: Hey, we missed you the other night. Did you get the message? I mean, everybody else was there. What happened? I just needed some time for myself. I took a little staycation. Oh, really? Yes, really. Hey, this is Michelle Spivey, your Practical priestess of Wisdom. And I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we get into talking about making space for you. I'll see you on the flip. So today we're going to be getting into making space for yourself and why it's so important, and especially in today's world. There was a recent study that came out in one of the scientific journals that talked about the four F's of human nature. And we've been familiar with two or three of them for a while. If you've ever heard of fight or flight, then you are very familiar with one of the states of primal being that we as human beings operate in. Well, there is another one that we talk about and people are very familiar with it. And that is fight, flight, or freeze, where you get that deer in headlights kind of thing. And we've even talked about it on previous podcasts when we are when we've connected it to how we deal with trauma and shock and our when our mainframe frontal lobe of logic goes offline and what takes over. But today I want to bring up a fourth one that has recently come to the forefront. And the reason why is because we have a lot of behavior that is in scotched in this. And we're all susceptible to doing it from time to time, unless you are a raving, um, narcissistic sociopath. And that new one, and it's not that new, but it, it might be new you know, to you if you're listening um, for, for the first time to something like this. It's called fawning, F-A-W-N-I-N-G. So the four states of being that we regress to whenever we are stressed uh, in shock or trauma are going to be, and these are not in any particular order, are fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Let me say that again. Fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And in a previous podcast, I talked about the way we can oscillate back and forth between two major areas that our bodies tend to deal with when we're dealing with some type of shock. And we talked about it being the sympathetic shock, which happens in the brain area in the upper part of the body in the mind you know brain area and parasympathetic shock which happens in the second brain area which is going to be the gut or the stomach or solar plexus area you know that place where you get the butterflies or it tightens up when you feel angry and it churns yeah that's going to be that area that is the parasympathetic area and so when we talked about this before to keep it streamlined i talked about fight being in the upper area, the sympathetic area where there's a lot of brain activity. And then I relegated the parasympathetic area of the gut to be the flight area. Now, believe it or not, these other two live in these two regions as well. And for the most part, if you're talking about flight, that's going to be in the um, areas of... um, the, the sympathetic or parasympathetic and the fawning is going to be in both of those areas as well. Now, f- uh, f- fright is still going to be frozen, for the most part. So it's going to be ruled mostly by the parasympathetic area of your stomach because to be frozen is to be immovable. Um, and it's uh, with the f- uh, fright and flight, retreat, get away, um, recede, take the defense, fall back, retreat, all of that. And then with the fawning, The fawning is going to be more of a negotiation to try to placate and to disarm the um, of offense that is causing you to go into shock, which means that it, a lot of times, is going to be relegated to the sympathetic area where your behaviors change and you're still doing something, but you're doing it in a, and it's not passive aggressive as much as it is a coping mechanism to try to placate the external forces to back off, you know, and and allow you to live in peace. So now that we've stated that, let me talk just a wee bit more about this whole fawning. Um part of our survival mechanisms. So when we fawn, think about a little baby deer, what we do is we shower praise on, or we placate, or we people please uh, to get the heat off of us, get the scrutiny off, or to just make people be nice to us. And a lot of the way it's presented is um Get along to get along, you know, compromise, uh, make everybody okay. And the problem with that is that it begets more relationships that call for it because the person s- starts to lose their sense of identity and they start moving into mentally and emotionally abusive relationships. Um, where if you have people who are prone to Um, abusive behavior, they tend to like these placating, fawning people because it's easy. Whereas you might have someone who's like, oh, I hate all of that um, fawning all over me and and they just work my nerves. (laughs) And so uh, it ends up where people who do this as part of their coping mechanism to deal with other people whenever there's any kind of confrontation, strife, or anything that triggers. Previous trauma, when they fall into this, we find that, well, not we, because I haven't done the research, but I was reading (laughs) and the researchers have found that they tend to migrate toward, you guessed it, more um, abusive relationships and they tend to get into codependency, where outside of that relationship, they really don't have a good sense of identity, of authority, or of placement in where they need to be. And so as we get into talking about making space for yourself, this is not just a conversation that says, oh, you need to have time for yourself. That's so nice. No, for a lot of people, and I don't know the exact percentages that they are saying are up to date as of right now, but I will say it's better than 20% of the population in the Western culture would find making space for yourself to be extremely scary and dangerous. And that is because they do not know what to do with themselves when they take the time to just make space and do what it is that they uh, do alone. I did not believe that this could happen when I was younger because I was an outgoing person by, by need and necessity. And so my coping mechanisms were to go out and conquer and do it fast. <laughs> and, you know, almost a devil may care attitude. And so the first time I I came in contact with people who I now know were into the fawning behavior to make sure that everybody just liked them, you know, from the rip. And they were overly accommodating, overly willing to do any and everything for everyone. They're they're, they're a person, whenever anything needs to be done, well, I'll do it. I'll do it. (laughs) You know, you're like, what is your deal? I didn't realize that this was um, a way for them to protect themselves in, you know, in in this world and in this environment. And I remember it was actually um, a situation where I was in class and we were having a group discussion and there was a young lady who, you know, fit this bill. And wow, just the professor suggesting that she may want to go on a, a retreat. And they actually said a spiritual retreat because this was when I was in seminary. Uh, she was appalled. And she was like, how dare you? I'm fine. I don't need to be by myself. And she looked at it as punishment. And I was like, if I could get away from y'all busters, I would be so happy. And like I said, at that time, I wasn't connected with what was really going on. Because, you know, when we're young it's usually all about us and I, I in hindsight i wish i could have understood it where i understand it now and i'm probably sure in a few years i'll say i wish i could understand it you know now how i then how i will then because we're supposed to always be learning and growing and remember everything has multi-layers, multi-meanings, multi-codes, and there's always another secret. And what I want to say with this making space for yourself is that it's okay if that doesn't feel good to you, but it doesn't mean that it's not still good for you. So why should we make space for ourselves? Well, the thing that um, is interesting, and this was not the same Uh, study, it was a different one, but very highly correlated, where researchers were looking at how to be able to put the boundaries around what our mind is. And at this particular time, they can say that our minds don't really have firm boundaries, meaning they are not contained within our bodies, within a few feet of our bodies. They can be any and everywhere they need to be interacting and meshing with our environments, with other people's consciousness, with different times and realities. And it is um, a site to behold, if you will, the way researchers talk about how hard it is to even state with any clarity that the mind lives in the same dimension that we do. And I just found that very fascinating because when you couple that with this behavior of fawning um, and with the, the need for all of us to make space for ourselves, but part of the population finding that to be the most scariest thing that they could ever do, it it comes to the point where we have to kind of look at why is it that we have this power of our mind and yet and still we can't find the ability to be okay in our own skin, in our own space, and why it's a, a problem for a lot of people to just be quiet with yourself. And I'm asking this because in my notes, I have here uh, the meditation test. When I was in um, practice um, back in the mid uh, 2010s, and I would work with clients to try to get them to start incorporating meditation, I was appalled at how many would shine me on. They would say, oh yeah, I'm going to do it. And I, you know, I was like, okay, here's your, here's your, um, uh, your your sheets to record, what you get during your meditations, and they would come the next week, nothing on the sheet or always oh, in the car or, or those kinds of things. And I'm like, you didn't do it. Well, I can't sit like that. I, I, I got to get up and move around. And at first, I thought it was just because people might be extroverted and needed the energy of other people. But that was not the case <laughs> because some of the very people that were coming in were talking about how they needed time alone. But when they would try to have that time alone, it was not giving them what they longed for. And therein was another paradox. I was like, why is it that people long long for this time to be able to just spend time with themselves? And when they finally get it, it's torture. And so on and on, I would go on to look. And that's how I actually started going and getting uh, some continuing education in dealing with trauma and shock and uh, dealing with other modalities to try to get settled in and around our bodies, whether it was through meditation, breath work, journaling, uh, automatic writing, or, or whatever, you know, the modality was that was going to help. And I got to the to the point of frustration because no one had any kind of concrete uh, statement or concept as to why we all need to make space for ourselves. But it's not always as nice or as therapeutically feeling as you would think. And so I still, I wish I could tell you, oh, I've got the answer today. I do not. I do not. But I do have a wisdom smack. And that wisdom smack is this, that no matter what you think or feel, it has nothing to do with that. There just comes a time when we know that we know that it's time for either a reset It's time for an update or upgrade, or it's time for us to evolve and move forward. And like I said before, if you really stop and think about it, there have been times in your life or one is upon you now where you know what you did in the past and what you're doing now is not cutting it. And that Something's got to change. You know that if you keep going the way you're going, you're going to give out a gas, you're going to rust out, you're going to wear down, or everything is going to come crumbling down. And when you feel that, that is a perfect opportunity for you to acknowledge that it's time for you to make some space for yourself. And it can be something as simple as feeling like you can't catch your breath or that you can't take in enough air when you're around everyone to feel satisfied. For some people, it's on the nose. You always feel like you're being put upon, intruded on, or you're feeling crowded. And <laughs> I remember um, growing up in a household with six kids, two adults, and a three-bedroom, one-bath house, and I was like, if I could just, if I could just get away <laughs> for just a minute, I would be so happy. And I escaped into books. And not only did I escape into books, my grandmother at her home, she had um, a closet. And I'll never forget this. She had two closets in her master bedroom. And one of them was a Sit down, walk in closet. And I would go in there and I'd make that my sanctuary. I'd take my books, I'd go in there, turn the light on, close the door, and I would lay out and you know, because it was large enough for me to sit down and lay down in there. And, and I would read, and it would be the best thing for me. And I would feel like I had uh been able to conquer the world because I was able to make that time and that space for myself. And she didn't bother me, and the other kids didn't bother me. And because I got that experience as, um, a youngster and, uh, got that time away from my siblings, it helped me to be more grounded, to go in and face the day. And, I'm thankful for that because it helped me to understand how needful it is from a young age. But yet and still, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, I'm so good at it and you need to be too. Uh, uh-uh, No, I want you to understand that it's going to take some time, especially if you haven't been making space for yourself. So what am I talking about when I talk about making space for yourself? I'm not just talking about getting quiet and meditating. I am that, that is part of it. But when we talk about this making space for ourselves, it can encompass the quiet stillness of being alone with you. But it can also be about establishing boundaries and making sure that those that you interact with understand how you require yourself to be treated. Um, I have always had this sense of self where I believe that when I interact with people, I must always be teaching them how to interact with me and love me. And likewise, I'm looking for their cues for the same. because no one is, not that I know of, is a mind reader. And you can't judge people or be upset with them if they don't know what you expect, what you need, and what you want. If you've never said anything, and that goes partly into this making space for us, and when I was looking at uh, the four Fs, you know, the fight, flight, fright, or fawn, and I really looked at it, I realized that even with me. I find that I employ that fawning sometimes uh, because it's just easy. And I sometimes agree to do stuff that I don't necessarily want to do. And I I chalk it up to being tactful and I'm begrudging. I'm trying to smile through the awkwardness of I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. I'm not interested in this. Um, And I look at it and I can say that Not all the time, but there have been times when I've done it, and it was because I failed to make space for myself by speaking up in a tactful way, in a loving and kind way to speak my truth and not try to manipulate the situation where people would always be happy with me. You know, part of that people pleasing. And when I started looking at it that way, I was like, oh, some things have got to change. And being able to take that hit it's usually not as bad as you think especially when you're dealing with people who who love you who choose to show up and be friends with you they understand more than we give a give them credit and they're like oh no no problem you know it's cool you know i'll catch you on something else and just taking that step was i know a big thing for me and I'm, I, it's, it works out. My family still loves me. My friends still support me. My significant others, there it's, it's it works out. And so I want to encourage you to start to make space for you. And it, like I said, it's not just about going on a meditative retreat or, or being quiet and being, uh, locked away, you know, uh, for, for days at a time by yourself. It can be as simple. As being able to take the initiative to start demonstrating and communicating to people how you need to be hand- not handled, but how you need to uh, be treated when you interact with them—things uh, that you like and don't like, and, and in a tactful way, and be ready to be okay if they don't like your truth. And now this part was uh, something that I when I used to work with premarital couples um, seeking counseling uh, was a big part of the program that we used. And that was communicative manipulation and how we didn't call it fawning at the time, but how people would do things that were not true to themselves just so they could keep the peace and manipulate their partner into always being happy with them. And just getting folks to agree to one week of not doing that. Oh my gosh, that, mm, that was scary. It was scary for them. And it was scary for us because there were a few couples that got to the point where they realized we don't need to be be together. If this is your true self, I don't want any parts of it. And so their fears were valid Because they couldn't survive the relationship when they chose to stop fawning, stop trying to manipulate the other's um, outcome to their truth. But I choose to believe that it worked out, you know, so that they would find out now instead of later. And so doing this, if you're if you. If, if what I'm talking about with needing to make space for yourself, needing to reestablish who you are, how you are, and uh, finding your center of gravity, finding uh, that point that makes you whole and happy, where you're able to do this and and not feel like the world is crushing in on you, I want you to consider this. And that is, I want you to realize that we all need breathing room, We all need respect. And it's easier to just get started with the simple things. So if you are that person, you're like, Michelle, I hear you. And I do need to make space for myself, but I really need some real space. I need my own. (laughs) It might be where You might need your man cave, your she shed, or you might just need your closet like I had when I was a kid at my grandmother's house. But make it known to others and like, this is my sacred space. If you need to call it an altar space, do whatever you need to and let them know, this is my area. If you don't have to share with other people physical space, it will still behoove you to do that. In my home, I have a sacred area where when I go in there, I know this is what we're doing. And I know that when I get to that point, it's about getting into the space of recuperation, of reset, and of getting major breakthroughs in clarity and in confidence that I need to go forth to do something. You know, I kind of like call it my get right space. And yes, it is one of my closets. Just so you know, I love my closets and um, being able to do that. The next thing is, is to start making space for yourself. You need to realize that your presence in someone's life is a privilege and not their right and vice versa. Your presence in someone else's life. Now, provided it's not a minor that has been assigned to you through birth or through paperwork, your presence, I mean, their presence in your life is a a privilege and not a right as well. And we would do well to respect that. And to respect that is to understand that it's not all about us and that if they have other things that they want to do that don't involve you, and that they don't necessarily want to tell you what they're doing, it's okay. Um, We don't have time, and I had put it in my notes, but we don't have time to talk about the abandonment types of of, um, people. I've talked about it a little bit in previous episodes, but I might talk about it in an upcoming episode. Um, But you can quickly Google it. And it's um, a study that was done back in the 60s on how babies... um, deal with abandonment of their mothers. and they came up with three different uh, general types of people, healthy and then two unhealthys so on either side of the spectrum. And it was very interesting, and there's been a lot of work around that um, where, It is playing out in today's world where you see uh, ghosting and love bombing and all of these different activities that people think are part of a new society that is generated off of our tech use when it's just good old fashioned. Understanding of how people abandon. You have some people that, if they feel abandonment issues, they cling tighter, and then you have some people if they feel abandonment issues, they flee before you can flee on them. And so, you know, it 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 all. What is it? What does it say? It says there's nothing new under the sun. You know, same thing, different day. That's what we're looking at. Um, But the thing I want to make sure that you understand is that if you are finding yourself feeling like you can't breathe, you don't have a sense of your own personal space, I want you to also understand this and that is to not be a make-do person. Not be the one who You're willing to do more for others than you're ever willing to do for yourself. Don't be that ultra obliger that you just oblige everyone. And when you look down at yourself, you're not able to do that for you, but you could do it for somebody else. That's not what you want to do. You want to demand a personal sense of space for yourself. And when you demand that, demand it of you. And I'm going to tell you, when you start working and changing how you deal with you, your whole world changes. People around you start to change because you're no longer the same person and they have to interact with you in a different way. Um, I was talking with someone the other day and they were talking about how they were going to quit their job because of a narcissistic coworker um, in a a senior position above them was making their life miserable, and this it was sad to hear it. And I actually told them. Studies show that there are a lot of people who leave a job that they would otherwise be happy with because of these. And the sad part was, is I couldn't even tell them that that wasn't the right thing to do. Not that they were asking for my opinion, um, but the reason why I couldn't say that is because. We all need to make space for ourselves, and if you have a full blown narcissist who is too far gone, there's nothing you can do but fully if you want to save your sanity and your sense of self. And unfortunately, we find that we are thrust into those kind of situations. So if you find that you're like, Michelle everything you said, I'm cool with, except for when I go to work and I'm stuck with having to work with XYZ or this person, they steal everything I do. They belittle me. They treat me as an object or whatever it is in that narcissistic way that they do things. You still deserve to have space. You still deserve to have your sense of self and you don't have to fawn and Unfortunately, I wish I could tell you that it all works out. No, they don't change. <laughs> they, you, traditionally, they don't change, but you can. And you can do what it, whatever it is that you need to do to keep your health, but don't compromise because of them. You do what needs to be done because it is for your health. You come first your health comes first. And that is the self-love that we all have to use. And so in la- in my last few minutes, I want to just do a-, a, quickly re- a quick recap of making space for you and why it's so important. All right. So we've covered the idea of the fact that we all need that personal space and it can exhibit itself uh, through meditative time, uh, long time, or it can uh, exhibit itself through understanding how to um, stop fawning over people to placate them or to get out of traumatic situations. We also talked about what it feels like to teach people how to love you, how to interact with you. And then we also took a look at privileges and rights of uh, your time uh, when it comes to other people and showing them what you need. And then we you know, dealt with those times when you work with someone and you can't choose who you work with, but you can understand that you still need to keep top priority and don't fall into those old coping mechanisms that wear you down when it comes to dealing with difficult personalities. So guess what, y'all? My time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess, with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. And I'm going to see you tomorrow.